coming to you from the lab where we talk about guns, gear, training, and everything in between. Riding Shotgun is my co-host, Big Keith. I'm your host, Mike, and this is The Gun Experiment. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to The Gun Experiment, Episode 9. This week, Keith and I speak to Eduardo Blanco from the Gun Enthusiast Group, review knife sharpeners and lockboxes, and talk about RV camping. I just want to remind everyone that we drop new episodes on the second and fourth Monday of every month, so be sure to subscribe and share the show with friends. Now, this show does not work without some mojo, and who brings the mojo? The big man. My co-host by my side at all times, the big man, Keith. How are we doing, Big Keith? I'm feeling great after bringing the mojo. <laughs> yeah, I figured I figured I would uh, change it up, man. I want people to know that you bring the mojo. Well, I greatly appreciate that. I feel a lot of pressure all of a sudden. You should. This, should, this show's a disaster. It's your fault. <laughs> oh, man. So hold on. I'm going to pull out, my, pull out my crystal ball here for a second. Okay. And I'm going to say that you have by your side a little bit of vodka and some OJ. Is that true? You know me too well. Right, well, you're getting a little too predictable. You better mix it up in the future. I, I, can't, I just, I'm too simple these days when it comes to drinking. It's like a screwdriver yeah, okay, or some rum. I don't know, man. A beer maybe? <laughs> there you go. So... I uh, have been told once or twice that I'm a gentleman, so I am drinking Gentleman Jack. I have a nice, big, heavy pour. So if things get a little crazy tonight, you'll know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, so listen, man, I, you and I have uh, we've talked a lot, and I and I know that the Second Amendment is something we're both passionate about. But I I often feel like we sort of have a uh, a duty as gun owners to sort of advocate for the Second Amendment. Do you do you kind of agree with that? Yeah, I, I, having rational conversations uh, in advocacy, I, I will say, you know. Um, yeah. But yes, it, it's it's it, it. This show has become a great way to be able to um, hear different opinions and and different perspectives on 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 that particular uh, topic about being advocates for the Second Amendment. So yeah, it, it's been good. Yeah, so I, I I feel like it's not like other hobbies. I feel like you definitely have to kind of put yourself out there and definitely be a good representative of the community. Yeah, and and as we, um, as I was joking about the pressure of uh, the show tonight, but uh, um, you you do have to have some responsibility if you are going to actively be a gun owner and, and be pro Second Amendment. I mean, I guess you cannot definitely. be a gun owner and be second and be pro Second Amendment, but most people I know that are pro Second Amendment own guns. Definitely. So, so I think that's kind of a good segue. That's kind of where our guest tonight came from. Um, so our guest tonight is an administrator of a pro second amendment group on Facebook. Please welcome Eduardo Blanco to the show. Eduardo, how are you doing tonight? Thanks for having me, Mike. I'm doing very, very well. Uh, thanks for having me as well, Keith. No, thank you for coming. Glad to be yeah. here. Yeah, we love we love talking to new people, and um, so I'm actually a member of your group, and I've been a member for a while. Um, and your group is uh, pretty unique; it's um, it's got a, a good following, I would say. And I think that it's important for people to hear from people who are advocating for the Second Amendment. Now, can you tell us a little bit about your Facebook group, or is it, do you tell me there's you have more than one group actually? Correct. I have multiple. Um, the one you're talking about is kind of my favorite, and the reason it's my favorite is because it's a it's the first one I started, and b it is by invitation only. So it is a secret group. You have to be invited by a member. Uh, so what it means is it's it's really truly a safe space to talk, uh, to have that you know conversation, show off a little, have a little fun. 
Um, the reason it was created, this is directly right after Newtown. Uh, my visceral reaction to Newtown was everyone should, you know, all good people should be carrying a gun because we could stop Newtown. We could have stopped Newtown. That was, that's my visceral reaction. Other people had different visceral reactions uh, in the opposite direction. No one should have a gun, right? So I was very vocal on Facebook, very, very pro-Second Amendment. And I am very eager, as you guys were talking about, to have that debate and have that conversation. But at some point, sometimes I just want to be around like-minded people and have you know, be able to talk about it openly without it turning into, you know, a giant debate. Yeah, not be not be on all the time. Exactly. I just wanted some time to just let's let's talk to people that just think like me. And and again, I'm still eager to have that debate. And I really do. <laughs> Believe me, folks, I am all over the place when it comes nice. to advocating for the Second Amendment. Um, nice. You know, I'm really hyper focused on it. Um, you know, that was the moment that it was like, you know, we all need to be carrying a gun because, you know, somebody, a good person could have stopped this. So, right. so now, so now what are some of your other groups that you uh, are in a ministry? I don't know how many there are, but give me a, an idea. And some of them were created for the same reason. So I'll give you another example. A very large Facebook call, Facebook group called Appalachian Trail Section Hikers, probably over 14,000 members. Uh, and then sometimes members would say, hey, what do you think is a good gun to carry or what is a good holster to carry on the Appalachian Trail? Those people were immediately shut down, just just attacked by these, these other folks. So I created a splinter group right that same day when I got censored and I got attacked called Free Appalachian Trail Section Hikers, uh, which this is not that long ago. I'm talking about a year and a half ago. We're already over 2,500 uh, members. Wow. Uh, it's growing because people will go to that group, try to talk about guns and just get attacked. So in my group, not only do I allow them to talk about guns, I allow people to say, hey, I disagree. You know what? Let's go for it. Let's talk about it. They won't even allow that on their group. They won't allow, hey, I want to talk about you know, carrying guns. And they say, well, we don't think you should carry for X, Y, and Z. That's a perfectly reasonable debate in my mind. But So wait, let me get this straight. You allow the First Amendment on your Second Amendment pages. Is that what you're trying to tell me? For what? <laughs> so, you know. I had a guy say, you know, I, I you know, because somebody came on this uh, and uh, started asking, you know, what are you doing carrying on the on the Appalachian Trail? And somebody jumped in and said, no, 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 that's allowed in this group. And I said, wait a minute, let's ha- let's hear him out. Let's let's talk about it. So, you know, the idea there is that, you know, this group was created as, you know, as a same result of my first. Group. Is that changing the the way that people are interacting or are are, are they still having conversations both ways? You know what? Still only 10% of the conversation, right? Because people in the Appalachian Trail have other things to worry about. But, you yeah. know, gear, boots, poles, etc. I love section hiking the Appalachian Trail. It's one of my, you know, one of my least expensive hobbies. I've got way too many expensive hobbies. <laughs> Me and Mike, too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, that's that's one group. Another one is another, because I had the private gun enthusiast group, I also wanted a public one. So there is a page for gun enthusiasts. Which, for the most part, I get a lot of questions. Just you know, you know, what what kind of gun is this, or what do dummy rounds do? And you know, I have to you know sit there and explain, and I answer the questions patiently. Uh, but for the most part, that's what that page is. I'll publish things, uh, you know, just pretty frequently. Again, it is a public page as opposed to the private secret group that are that you are, are in, Michael. So, um, you know, the idea there is you know to also have the public face and to be able to have that debate and and post things that should concern the second amendment community uh there is another group that i have because i'm also again i love knives and flashlights and all things outdoors so i've got another group called outdoor sportsmen that uh you know that is also pretty active 
And probably the most active group has nothing to do with anything that we're talking about. It's just, it's a local community group called Save Woodbury on Facebook. Uh, it is something I created literally, you know, probably a decade ago. Wow. Um, and it's, you know, we've got about, I don't know, uh, 2,900 local community members that talk about local community issues. And we've, that's been very, very active, especially now. Um, so, you know, it's, it's doing very, very well. That's and great. I have a good public voice there as well. Uh, and I do allow, you know, conversations around carry and, and other, other Second Amendment issues on that. And if people try and stop them, I'm the moderator. Can you, uh, can you give us some uh, best practices for uh, carrying while, uh, while hiking? I can. Um, but I still want to give you a couple of other things as far as best practices for moderation. Um, I typically have at least three moderators and, and only three. If it grows up beyond that, you always want the odd number in case there's a kiss. Because, listen, I pride myself on being 100% uh, fair and balanced. So, again, I have the, I'll allow them to have that anti-gun conversation but expect to be countered back. So I will, um, you know, allow that and I will allow, so I try try and have three moderators. So right now, Gun Enthusiast has three moderators. Uh, you know who, I'm sure you know who they are. Uh, one of them has changed and I'll, I'll, I want to talk about that a little because it's kind of a sad story. Uh, but anyway, to answer your question, you know, best practices around, you know, carrying on the, listen, weight is everything when you're packing a, a, a 70 liter uh, backpack. Well, that's what I was, I'm thinking definitely the first thing you got to think about is distance of trip. Like how long are you hiking? Right. <laughs> right. If you're talking about, you know, we, a section hike is not that big a deal, but you know, a scadmium framed, uh, revolver, you know, 357 revolver. I, I don't think you could go wrong. They're light as anything mm-hmm. and you've got enough power to stop a bear. So, you know, in my opinion, that's a great one. And, and you're, uh, are you off body carrying all the time? I, I will outside the waistband holster that I won't inside because that will start to chafe as you are hiking. Believe me, I, I've noticed that. Yeah. Is it legal to carry on most trails, Eduardo? Uh, not in this state. Um, you know, not in, obviously I'm in New York and, uh, you know, some of the other states will not allow it. I don't only section hike. I've got a New York permit. I've got a Utah permit. I've got a Florida permit, which allows me to carry in about 38 different states. Right. So I've hiked in North Carolina. I've hiked in, you know, Shenandoah Valley in Virginia. Um, I've done some hiking, a lot of hiking through Pennsylvania. And, and in those states you can open carry. I don't open carry. I do conceal it, but oh. it is outside, oh, outside the, the waistband. Got it. I'll have something over it. I'll have yeah, like a garment carry. or something. Yeah. Got it. It's not right. Yeah. I don't open carry in those. Even if I, even if I could, I probably wouldn't. Yeah. We, my, Mike and I differ on that. Mike's with you. He probably wouldn't. I would, but we, we just yeah. have a different opinion on it. I yeah, might I mean, on a trail though, Keith, I might on a trail cause yeah. just because of, because it would, uh, let my movements be a little more natural. So I might on a trail. Yeah. yeah. I keep it outside the waistband again because it's just going to chafe less. It's not going to bother you as much. So that's kind of what I do. Um, but yeah, I've, I've hiked quite a bit, um, you know, multiple day hikes with, you know, carrying a firearm. And uh, I highly recommend it. You sleep really well at night in that, you know, bag that you're sleeping in in the woods. So Eduardo, I mean, we kind of covered um, how you became a moderator of these groups. It's, it, you know, it's really interesting how it kind of grew from there. Um, I mean, do you have any questions for us? I mean, sometimes, uh, you know, guests uh, are kind of curious as to how the podcast thing started. Is there anything you wanted to ask us? I do. I'd known you for a while. I didn't know that you did this, and I'd love to know why you started. I mean, it sounds like it's a great idea. I love the, you know, I love the concept. So, why did this uh, gun experiment get started? Um, so uh, it's something I've wanted to do for a while. I like podcasting. I've I've done other adventures and tried other things, and they didn't really take off. And I just I like the spoken word. I like having conversation with people. Um, and it was daunting because there's a lot to it. Um, 
but I just felt like I can, man, I could really affect change. I can really have interesting conversation and, and educate myself and educate others. And that's why it's cool. That's why we call it the gun experiment because it's experimenting with all these concepts and some of them aren't even gun related, but, um, you know, I have this saying, I always like to, to say that, you know, the gun is the tool, but the human's the weapon. And like, we're trying to build a better weapon. You know what I mean? And whether that's mind, body, spirit, whatever it is, I, I want to just experiment on how to, um, make the second amendment. It's a part of my life, but I mean, how to make it just, a just stronger and have a stronger community and just be able to be somewhat of an influence in it. You know, I think it's very similar to what you're doing. Like you just, you want to, I'm okay with debate, but I don't have to always agree with people, but I just, I really want to be someone who can affect some change when it comes to the second amendment. So, I mean, I, it's, it's been a, it's been a really fun ride so far. I mean, Keith, what do you think? And I like, like Mike said, I just bring the mojo. Uh, I, yeah, I don't, I, I, Honestly, I think Mike, you know, you and I just always had good conversations. This was, you know, a really a, a something that was a brainchild of Mike. Um, he just just asked me one day if I wanted to to do a couple with him, and I was like, "Sure, I'll I'll hang out for a little while, see what it's like." And uh, I'm having fun. It's been uh, it's been a good ride so far. Yeah, um, we definitely we definitely enjoy. You and I have like a good flow, I think, which is is part of it. You know, um, Eduardo, I got to ask a question. I meant to ask this earlier, and if I don't ask it, I'm going to kick myself later on. Mm-hmm. So when I, when I got your name, I called you, you know, we reached out. Eduardo Blanco. I've never talked. This, this was the first time I talked to you in person. Great and name. I was like, is, is, I was like, is his name Ed White? And this is kind of like an alias. That is that your real name? <laughs> you know, it's Ed funny. White. I interviewed with an Edward White once and I said, hey, you're my translation. <laughs> so, uh, my name's Eduardo Blanco. I'm a first generation immigrant from Cuba. Okay. Probably why you see the, you know, the, the, Let's call it right leaning. You know, we, you know, we, we saw social, yeah. so we don't uh, we don't play that game. Can you teach Fair. me how to make a Cuban coffee, please? Yeah, we we've been trying and we fail all the time. <laughs> That's probably something I can do. And when I tell you first generation, I mean I don't know which country I was conceived in. It's that close. Wow. Okay. All right. Wow. Dude, well, I gotta say, it is a great. It, it is clearly Gunshot Geisler was really good, but this is like this right is up close. there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It really is. So anyway. Um, so what would you say is the purpose or the mission of your well let's say, stick with enthusiasts. What is the mission of that group? Are, are you an advocate? Are you trying to like expand your group? What's you know? Uh you know, you know, I'm really not. I mean, and th- just that one group, let's talk about. So the other groups, the the public facing gun enthusiast page is absolutely about advocacy. The private okay. gun enthusiast group is about us. It's about our community, talking to our community and sharing and liking and uh, you know, sharing pictures and the new thing that I just bought, the new, uh, you know, that I, I shared my recently, my most recent acquisition, my Sig Sauer uh, P320 Legion X5. That's a really long name for a gun. I saw it online. It is beautiful, man. <laughs> it's gorgeous. And I just added my uh, Sig Sauer Romeo Pro to it. Uh, so I, I can't wait to try that one out. I haven't had to. But uh, yeah, absolutely gorgeous gun. So that's that's the idea behind that one, right? It's, it's to give us a place to just a safe place to talk and not be attacked. But we also have the page gun enthusiast, which is all about public advocacy and, and have that debate. And, you know, let's, let's, let's fight it out. Uh, you know, so there's two different missions there. Uh, so, you know, the, so it's fun. It's just fun. That's really what it's about. Um, it's about being open about what we enjoy and how we enjoy it and not having to, to apologize for it. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, and it's worked out, right? And you see how we're active we are on there, and I'm constantly posting stuff in it. 
Um, yep. It's a place for me to just play. And I say, yo, it's nine millimeter Monday, guys. Blow something up. Let's do something and, and just have a little fun with it. Do you accept new members or is it capped in size? It is not capped in size, but it is capped by you have to be introduced into the group by someone that knows you. Okay. To the point where we've only had, I mean, I'll give you an example. I, like I said, I moderate a bunch of different pages and all the other ones are a lot harder to moderate because you're dealing with people flagging posts and arguing and cursing and attacking each other. We have had zero of that in gun enthusiasts. We're all a bunch of adults. We have conversations. We talk. No one fights. It's beautiful. I mean, it's a really easy group to, you know, to, to moderate because of that. I mean, I've got the three moderators so much, myself, Mike, and Jay, right? And I met you through Jay, right? Yep. And Jay's probably the one that introduced you. I don't know, fun fact, you know, Jay wasn't one of the original three. I don't know if you know that. I did not know that. Uh, we'll get into that story. Ask me about it later. It's, a, it's actually pretty tragic. Um, but so, um, you know, that's the idea. So the uh, easy group to moderate because I've had literally to bounce one person. And when I did that, unfortunately, I had to say, well, do I also have to bounce the guy that stayed behind? You know, so I had the conversation with the other two moderators and I called them and we all speak. And the answer came back is let's wait. Let's see how it goes out. Because, again, we're very, very careful about who we allow into that private secret group because this is all friends of friends. Right? That means they've been vouched for. So we can post whatever we want. We're not going to get attacked. We're not going to get flagged. We're not going to get reported on things like that. Right? So, so, Eduardo, you said something that I want to touch on really quick. The fact that it's a private group lets you kind of be yourself. It's kind of where you're going with this. And I have a quick little anecdote, and it's very uh, – it, it just happened. I have a relative, very close relative, who has nothing to do with guns but has started to vocally express their feelings on social media. And as a result of these comments, has really alienated other family members. And I mean like really, really heinous stuff. Um. And my, what I had said to my wife was the problem with this family member is they don't realize that when you put something on the general worldwide web, you basically put people in one camp or the other where, when, where if you have a very strong opinion, which we clearly all do about guns, you're better off being in a private group where you can be yourself, where you can sort of say what you want to say and you're not going to be judged. So if you're really passionate about something the place to sort of like vent and let things go is in these private groups. And I've learned that through, you know, trial and error that I, I don't comment on my normal Facebook account about anything, but Mm -hmm. I let loose on these private groups because I feel like, man, you can hear me and we can have a debate and it's all good because we kind of see eye to eye in some way. And I think it's what you're doing is important work. I really do mean that, you know? Yeah, it gives us a place to just unwind. I mean, think about it. I mean, if you have to sit there and always be on fire, always be, I mean, and, and I did that for a long time. And that's just where I was like, okay, I need to, I need a place where I can just talk to my friends and just, you know, have that conversation with them. But uh, yeah, I, I, again, that doesn't diminish the need. And I say the need to be out there and publicly advocating for, you know, for the second amendment. Um, it's literally constantly under attack, no more so than, than these days. Uh, you know, you've got people openly saying, yes, we want to take your guns. Yes, I want to come for your guns. Um, you know, hell yes. What was that uh, Beto thing? That, yeah, yeah. That yeah, we're here to take thing. your guns. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, that's the idea here, you know. And I, and listen, I, both of what you're saying, you, Mike and Ed, both of you are saying, you know, the, the need for it and, and um, having to be able to have a place. Like, I, I can see that perspective, but Ed, I'm not on any social media. I'm on none. I, I'm not on Facebook. I'm not on Instagram. I'm not on podcast. Nothing. Um, 
And I just made this the, the conscious decision to do that probably, I, I can't even tell you how long now. That's how long it's been. Um, but I, one of the things that I see a lot of, and I do get to see a little bit of it through work and through social media in, in my workspace, people are really keyboard muscle bound, you know, like they just got a set of pipes on the keyboard and they, and they just, you know, have these opinions and it almost, ex- it almost exaggerates the inability to have a conversation with a person who has an opposing opinion in real life, let alone on the web or wherever you're, whatever social media face you're in. So, you know, my question is, do you have like a huge sense of responsibility to make sure that people are responsible? You know, I, I'd be worried about somebody, you know, freaking out and then knocking on somebody's door or something like that, you know? Yeah, I, I, I worry about that. I mean, we've all met, you know, we say that we, we advocate, we want people to have guns. But we all know there are certain people that shouldn't have them. We know that. Yeah, um, We've got to be, really? we've got to be our own police, right? If we just publicly say everyone across the board, blanket, you know, mental issues or not should be able to, get, I mean, come on, there, there is, you know, clearly we have to self-police and if we don't, they're going to do it for us. I mean, I, like I said, there's no, you'll, you'll find no bigger advocate. I, every time, and this is crazy, every time the New York Times would run an anti-gun, you know, article, I would write a rebuttal and I would send it to the New York Times and ask them to be, pub, you know, ask them to consider publishing it. I probably did this a dozen times because I also used to do a run, a, a gun, it was called Gun Banter. A blog. It wasn't a, you know, it wasn't a webinar or anything like that. It was just a blog. I wrote about it and I tried to share it a lot. And I very often tried to get it published by the New York Times as rebuttal to their stories. And I hit factual data, uh, actual statistics, and every time I was rejected. But I'll give you the good news. At least they didn't ignore me. They did respond and they said why. They were terrible arguments, but at least they didn't, didn't blow me off. They actually did respond. Thank you. Well written. We understand that, but no thank you. But right, well, it was, it was nice I of them to do that. Two, I guess I did that for two years. I mean, I, I, I would publish. I would publish their responses. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not a bad idea. I should do that. again. <laughs> so again, I, I think to your point again, we we you know advocate, but also self police. Yeah. Um, again, if they don't, you know, if we don't, they will. So, I mean, I think what Keith was kind of hitting on is like, I mean, the name for it is the keyboard commandos. You know, people who yeah, behind a computer screen, they are they are brazen as can be. But they they really don't flex that muscle in person. Um, you know, do you feel that in general, like your experience with dealing with people online and all these groups, do you feel that people have trouble interacting uh, appropriately online? Like, is it in general? You know, what I mean, like, do you think people just don't know how to, to how to act appropriately? Like, it's don't forget the internet's a fairly new invention. Like, do people just not have that skill yet? Are we not there at you this know, point? No, I probably happened too skill- fast. Yeah. I think you're right. And I, I will admit that I was probably guilty of that myself on, on some occasions that, uh, you know, you'll say things out of anger, you'll say things out of frustration. I have since, and I'm saying several years now, not just yesterday, uh, decided that if I can't say it to your face, I'm not going to say it to you online. And I don't care if I'll never. That's a good policy. Yeah. I just won't do it. I mean, I used to be like, you know, you can catch a roundhouse to the temple if you, (laughs) (laughs) The idea that again, if I won't say, I'll say it respectfully to you. If you're not, if you're not respectful back, typically I'll just turn someone off. I'll just, I'll just, you know, I'll nothing done after that. Yeah, you what know? I've, you know, what I've learned, Eduardo, is that I would try to debate people online, and I think part of it because you're typing on, you know, most of the time it's on a phone, and you're using your thumbs and you're typing away. People just start to like 
they don't even they don't even want to have an, a discussion. They just start screaming back and forth. They're writing the quickest response possible, and I've learned that it's just not worth debating in that format. You want if you and I want to debate person to person, it, it's a much more efficient. But if over like social media, it just it never ends well ever. Right. Um, and like I said, I think it just puts people into two different camps, and they separate themselves, and they dig their heels in. In and person, no in person, you get a perspective. You can't get perspective and emotion, and you can't get those things when you're doing it through a keyboard. Definitely not. Yeah, it becomes link wars, is what I call it. Right? Link yeah. wars. I'll, I'll, I'll send a link. I'll, I'll copy a link that has you know supports uh, my argument. Oh yeah, I know those guys. Arguments, and it just becomes link wars, you know, because you can the 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 internet is endless with arguments on either side, so that right. could go on for hours and or days or whatever. And so it's not just it's not just debates either. It's creativity. Like I'm more creative when I'm with a group of people talking and and going through a problem or a, or a, you know a salute or a uh, a debate. You know. Yeah, I'm. I so I have a really important question, and I think it's a hard one. It's really for all of us. I, I want to have this this conversation. Um, when it comes to social media policies against guns, and what I mean by that is. Let's let's go with Instagram. Instagram has policy, so I can post pictures of firearms. Mm-hmm. However, if I want to boost that picture and pay to have it boosted, because you you sort of have to in this day and age, um, they won't let me, right? Mm-hmm. And there's certain things that they won't allow on their sites. And there's this sort of on one hand, the libertarian side of me says they're a private company. They can make any policies they want. But on the other side of it, I am conflicted here because yeah. they have they have become the new media. And we are the journalists, meaning every person on there is the journalist. So are they now violating the First Amendment? Because they're not letting me express myself the way that I want to. Uh, and it's not illegal guns. This right? is this is Ed's interview, so I want to hear his answer, but I Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm chopping so, it. <laughs> Yeah, go ahead. Well, Ed. What do you think? Because it is right. I mean, it, it's really fine line, right? Because I mean, you saw the executive order today potentially that mm-hmm. uh, because they are the modern version of the public square. In the old days, when the actual all you had was the public square, you were allowed to stand in that corner and talk about your First Amendment issues, and and uh, you know, and that was your platform. That was what you were allowed to do. So you're either now, you know, Twitter and Facebook and YouTube. These are these are supposedly platforms. That you can do that, that are the modern version of the public square. So should you be able, or should they, as private groups or private organizations, be able to censor you? In my opinion, if they're, they're getting Title IX uh, exemptions, meaning they, they can't be sued for pe- things that people say on their platforms because it is a platform. They can't censor, but they're doing it anyway. And guess what? They're still enjoying those Title IX exemptions. So um, which way, which one is it? Which, you know, you can't have it both ways. What is that? The, you're having your cake too. You right? have to right? choose. Yeah. You have to choose. You're either a public media company, or you're a private place that 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 has these rules and regulations, like we were just talking about. Like like if they want to, if 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 a particular social media company, I don't want to name any names. If they want to say, I do not, I am not pro Second Amendment. I'm against the Second Amendment. And they have to publicize it, and that has to be their standalone, and that has to be the reason why, you know, someone fully disclosed. That's what I'm trying to say. I apologize. If they fully disclose it, and I don't want to go there after that, fine, whatever. 
you want to say you can't do it, but you can't get all of those same privileges like Ed is talking about and 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 then censor. It, it, you, it's one or the other. Yeah, I mean, to some extent, I mean, they are they have somewhat of a monopoly on but conversation. That, but that whose fault is that? That's our fault. All of us. Yeah, We're I all mean, responsible for that. Well, I mean, like you look at regular media. Right. And everyone will say like, oh, Fox News is on one side. And We're all CNN responsible is on the for other. that, too. Yep. But I feel like I feel like with social media and I want to make this distinction because it's important. If I'm posting things that are illegal, you have every right to shut me down. I should not be posting that. But if I'm allowed to own a gun or it's a legal firearm and I'm posting about it and talking about it and sharing it and people want to see it and people want to comment on it, why are you stifling me? And I understand it's that it's a private company and that's their policy, but I didn't even know that. But Ed, you you hit the nail on the head. the 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 fact that they are exempt from lawsuit, well, there you go. You can't have your cake and eat it too. I, I agree with that, and I didn't know that. That's actually very informative. So thank you. They a lot of these companies aren't run as as a company. They're run as morals of the people who are running these companies. Right. Right, they're they're the extension of their view on you know society and what it should be. That's really what they've become, right. and that's not what you know. That's not what they're supposed to be. They're supposed to be the platform. They're supposed to allow everyone to have equal voice, and that's clearly not what's happening. I mean, look, YouTube demonetized all all gun videos, but and it's right. and it, you know, and it's because we we you know, I think we were talking about this at some point already today about this. Uh, at Mike, Mike, it might have been you about the, it's turned into a two argument or a two sided argument. That's it. It's one side or the other. That's all part of the problem. If that wasn't part of the problem, if there wasn't so much of that one side or the other, these companies would have no reason to actively act on being pro second amendment or against second amendment. They could just run their company the way they want it. Do you know what I would really respect? I would respect the company and I'm just going to pull one out of Google. We'll go with Google. I would respect the hell out of Google if they said we're going to contribute to the campaign of the Democratic presidential nominee because that's who as a as a CEO that's a that's who we but we're still going to let you have discourse and we're still going to let you post the things you want to post a hundred percent freely without censoring it at all. It's too rational. I respect the hell. I know, <laughs> but I respect the hell out of that. I would. Totally, I know. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's their company. They can do with with their money as they see fit. But, you know, if you are a platform, you're a platform. If you're a publisher, you're a publisher. Yes, that's the problem. That's the problem. Yep. So, um, Eduardo, I don't know. This is a weird question. Normally, I ask this question. I say, how do people find you and how do they join your ranks? Is it, you know, through social media? I think we talked about that. But but for you, so, some of these groups you don't want, you know, you want people to be kind of vetted before they come in. But is there, would you Ed like to call share you. Any- don't call him. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Would you like to share any of your social media for people to find you? If not, I fully understand. But do you, if you want your ranks to increase, now's There's your chance. First rule of gun enthusiasts is there is no gun enthusiast. <laughs> um, yes, uh, you know there is the, the page, uh, gun enthusiast page. Um, I should probably pull that up, but uh, it's just a you know look it up. It's called Gun Enthusiast. It's a page on Facebook uh, that is public. You can you know. You can message me. You can talk to me on there. Um, again, there's also the free Appalachian Trail Section Hikers Group if you're into the hiking thing. Um, I also have a group simply called Moto. It's you know it's a motorcycle group, obviously, and it's very similar to the Gun Enthusiast Group in that it is a private closed group. 
But uh, yeah, I'm, you know, I do have that the advocacy page that people can join uh, to reach out to me and, and we can talk about, you know, I love to talk about why people got into guns and, you know, what was, you know, what was your aha moment and things like that. And that's, uh, it's always fun stories. So Great. yeah, love to hear it. Awesome. So we have a little uh, tradition on this show and the, uh, the name of it is called Run and Gun. And what it is, is I'm going to ask you 10 very quick questions and I'd like you to answer with the first answer that comes to your mind. Are you willing to play that? Sounds like fun. Awesome. All right. So here we go. First question. What is your favorite gun in your personal collection? Easy answer. Um, my father's uh, uh, Smith & Wesson King Cobra in 357, uh, six inch. And the reason for that is because when I was 12 years old, I and my brother used it to thwart a home invasion. Uh, and it was also the gun that my father kept in his nightstand his entire life. Um, wow. Yeah. So, and it was a legit home invasion. You know, my brother's, get, get dad's gun. And I'm 12 years old and I run. I grab the gun. I bring it to my brother who had been pistol whipped um, and you know, was managing to try and rescue, wrestle the gun out of the two people's hands. My dog, you know, the dog, German, German Shepherd at the time, King, leapt in and started tearing these guys up. And then by the time I came back with the gun, the guys were running. And so that gun Crazy. is easily my favorite in my collection. It's the one that holds the most sentimental value. Wow. What gun would you buy if money was no object? It's rapid fire, man. Gotta give me an answer. That's a good one. I'll give you a, you know, something quick. Um, the um, Terran Tactical something, something. It's about $6,000. He had a list. He was having a hard time getting through it. He really was. (laughs) But yeah, there's a Terran Tactical one that I'm just dying to get. It's uh, it's a 2011 uh, Terran Tactical. It's just, it's like $7,000. Wow. If you could have a drink with one person living or dead, who would it be? My dad. Nice. Favorite caliber? Nine. Favorite hobby, not gun-related? Camping. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Flight. All hell breaks loose. Is it better to be armed or trained? Trained. Is it better to be loved or feared? Loved. Rifle, pistol, or shotgun? Rifle. You're in the worst scenario imaginable. Who do you want to have your six other than your spouse? My younger brother. It's time for Top Gear. Let us test it before you invest it. All right. So we are going to review some gear. Um, Keith, uh, we were talking about knives the other day, uh, one of our other episodes, and I said how I like to always have a, a knife on me. And uh, I think your product today is uh, actually a, a good thing to have around. So why don't you go for it? Yeah, my product today is um, it's made by the uh, company Smiths. Smiths. Smiths Products is where you can find them online. It's a, a six-inch, three-stone sharpening system. I, I basically had gotten this because uh, I had gotten stuck on some YouTube videos of um, you know blade restorations of all kinds of axes, you know, uh, all different types of things. And I was like, you know, that would be kind of something cool to do just to mess around. So uh, I uh, was helping a buddy move his father out of a, out of his house and uh, came across this really cool meat claver that was all patinaed up. And uh, I said, what are you doing with this? And he said, it's yours. So I took this thing home, bought this stone sharpening system, and it's basically a great beginner kit. It's, it's uh, three stones on a triangle um, uh, base with a... Um, 
a jig that you can put it in that you can easily rotate between all the different stones. And each stone has a different grit. Uh, it ranges from 300 grit to 1,000 grit. And um, it comes with um, uh, a, a guide that you can place uh, between the stone and the blade to keep the correct angle if you're not, you know, so, if this isn't something that you're used to as it wasn't for me. I, I had really no... Um, no experience with sharpening blades before buying this. Um, I managed to restore this meat cleaver and, uh, Mike, I know you've seen it. It's, it's definitely sharper than a meat cleaver should be. <laughs> and, um, it's I've, impressive. I've, um, I've, I've used it and, uh, it works great. Um, and I would definitely recommend it. The only thing that I would like a little more of is, um, and I, I had to go look up the actual name of this because I wanted to call it lube and I couldn't imagine myself. <laughs> Using the word lube on this <laughs> on the podcast, so the real KY won't work. Is that what you're telling me? KY won't work. The real <laughs> the real name is honing solution. So you need you know I would have liked to have had a little bit more honing solution than what it came with, but it wasn't very expensive. It was thirty three bucks, and um, uh, we'll have a, a a link to it. We'll take a picture, put it on Instagram. We'll have a link on there so everybody can go to it. But uh, a great, great starter kit. If you just want to even sharpen your home knives, you could totally manage to do this. Follow. I can't stop laughing about KY. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, <laughs> um, I want to just vouch for this product really quick because I have a <clears throat> a camping hatchet. And it, there's a long story behind it. There's a little bit of sentimental value to it. Maybe I'll tell it in another episode or something. But um, it had gotten all rusted up just from whatever. And Keith saw it one day and was like, damn, that thing is jacked up. He's like, bring it to my garage. I bring it over, and I don't know what I don't remember what we did, but man, he like I think you polished it, you sharpened it. Yeah, and I did I a couple things. My, yeah, I, yeah, but he brought it down to like a shiny, shiny finish and a sharp blade. And I actually went. Um, I did use this camping. product. You did, yes, you did. And I t- I went backyard camping with my three and a half year old son two nights ago. It was his second trip. He did one last year, and then this year was the first one. And I used it, and I I pulled it out of the sheath, and I'm like, holy shit, this thing is shiny. And I was like, oh yeah, Keith fixed this thing for me, and I <laughs> I thought of you. So the product is really good, and I and I think it's uh it's definitely a worthwhile product. So uh, thanks for sharing, Keith. I, I definitely agree. It's it's good stuff. Um, Eduardo, I'm gonna uh, I'll take the uh, the rear on this one, and I'll let you uh, do your product next if you'd like. All right, we're talking about KY and rear. Like, come on. <laughs> Use that to lube the guns too, or um, I don't know. I, I, I literally just before this, uh, you know, started, I, I decided what I was going to talk about because there's so many good things to talk about. Um, but I decided to compare and contrast. I have, as I mentioned before, a brand new uh, Sig Romeo One Pro, which sent me back about 400 bucks. And the only thing I had to compare it to prior to that was the Trigicon RM04 that I had, which is closer to the tune of $500 when I got it. Um, it's, it's, you know, I, I like them both. I'll, I will give you some of the pros and cons, but if I had to stick with one, it probably would be the, uh, the SIG at this point. Now, is that a pistol? Is that a pistol optic or a rifle optic? That is a pistol optic. Um, okay. I have the Trigicon on my, uh, Glock 34 M, uh, MOS, which is the one that comes pre-cut. So you could put on, uh, a reflex sight. Uh, that's on there right now. I'm looking at it as we speak. Now, the good thing about this, a couple of things. Um, the pros, you never have to put a battery in it. It is fully uh, fiber optic and it has dual illuminance, supposedly. I'm saying that supposedly, that um, which means that you, indoors you don't really need uh, some sunlight. 
I find that to be a bit of an exaggeration. Uh, I don't think it, its indoor performance is very good. Uh, outdoor, it's fantastic. It's got a very bright reticle, and uh, you know, and it works good. It gets fuzzy indoors, regardless of of, of the amount of ambient light you have. Now, again, the fact that it is uh, fiber optic means you never have to take it off to change a battery. That's the good news. And when you every time you take it off and put one on, because some of the other uh, Trigicon sites, the batteries are installed from the bottom. So you got to pull the side off, change the battery, put it back, recite it in. Because every time you take it off, put it back on, you got to recite it. Well, this fixes that problem. You never have to do it. The other thing I like very much, again, in contrast to the SIG, is the adjustments. When you're adjusting for windage and elevation, you get very click, very very clear audible clicks when you're changing. You know, when you're adjusting, click click click, very very clear. Um, in contrast to that, the SIG is mushy. Um, you can, you know, you're adjusting it with, you know, for windage and elevation, but it's a little bit mushy. Now, the other thing, it, this one is battery powered, but here they fixed the problem of having to take it off by making it a top mount battery. So you mount it from the top and it's, you know, no problem there. And it comes with this really cool metal shroud. I feel like if I drop this thing on its head, it's going to be fine. That's the SIG, correct? That was the SIG, correct. Yes. Uh, so it, it is, um, you know, you've got the adjustments to it, meaning so you know for, for to adjust the brightness of it is very, very easy to hit. Uh, you might need a longer fingernail to do it, but that's about it. It also has this great, and I say great, um, feature that the battery will last forever, but you, you you can always just leave it on. Just leave it on because it turns off after two minutes of inactivity, and the moment you move the gun, it turns back on again. Love that, uh, that, uh, that aspect of it. And here's the last thing. It allows you to co-witness because it's got a little notch out of the back so you can actually see the front sight. So, I mean, it's just – there's so many – it's just feature-rich compared to the Trigicon. Um, no offense to the Trigicon. It's American-made product. I like to buy American, um, and I'm making that distinction more and more lately. But, uh, you know, they really knocked it out of the park with this thing. I'm really, really impressed with it. Um, Could I ask you a couple of questions about it? Sure. So for the SIG, yeah, it, you said it's not, it's not made in America. Where is it made? This is manufactured, I believe, in Germany and uh, okay. brought to the United States through the New Hampshire Nashua site, I want to say. So. Okay. Um, and you said it has an, a rear notch for the rear sight. So does that mean you do not need suppressor height front sights? That is correct. You know, okay. when you set this up, you don't need it. Okay. And then my final question is, um, you said the metal shroud. Do you feel that you could rack that rack that? as a one-handed implement off of something and it would not damage the site? Absolutely. Yeah, it's okay. it be blue Loctite. This thing's not going anywhere. Okay. And wh- which um, which of the Romeos is this? This is the Romeo 1 Pro. Okay. So that would not fit on the 365 because that's the Romeo 0, I believe, correct? That's correct. Right. This, and matter of okay. fact, on this gun, the Legion that I'm holding in my hand, this is the only – this one and the, the uh, Leopold Delta – Delta point? Yeah, that's the only ones that will work on this gun. Okay. For those of you listening that don't know much about this, um, the SIG Legion is like the the creme de la creme of, uh, of SIG guns. It's when they take any of their guns and then they basically just pimp them out and make them sweet. So it's the, the gun that Eduardo was talking about is a very nice firearm. So uh, you're, I'm jealous. Yeah. So <laughs> this is a good segue. So you're talking about pistols, and my product tonight is actually a pistol lockbox. Um, I think we all would agree that if you're going to own a firearm, you have to make sure that it's stored safely. So my product is a Sentry Safe Quick Access Digital Pistol Safe, and there's there will be a link in the show notes. Um, 
It is a solid steel construction. The one that I have is a uh, four button digital code. They are backlit. So as soon as you touch them, they light up. You can set your own code. Um, and there is a backup key that goes along with it. Now they do have a couple of options available. Um, they have a biometric available where you can put your thumbprint on it. Um, that one, if you get that one, also still has the four button. So it kind of has like a um, a backup on it along with the key backup as well. So it's kind of like a triple backup. Um, they also make one that's an extra large. So you can fit two, I would say probably two pistols the size of, size of like a Glock 19. Like you could fit two that size. Um, mine will fit a me like a medium size and a, like a very small size um i can i can store my um sorry my smith and wesson 9c and my walther um uh compact together so it'll it'll store two decent size and then they also have one that has like a light when you open it up it lights up so they have a few different options. Um, the one that I bought was pretty bare bones, $107. I thought it was a very worthwhile investment. It bolts down. So I have mine in my nightstand drawer and it's bolted down just basically so it doesn't slide around more than anything. I mean, someone could rip it out pretty easily. Um, but you could definitely attach it to studs on a wall if you wanted to. And then it has a compression gas strut so that as soon as you put in your code, the flap opens up right away and you can kind of get to it pretty quick. I have had my home alarm go off, false alarm, um, but I have had it go off where I've had to get to my firearm rather quickly, and I was able to access it pretty quickly. Um, the only complaint I have, there's two. One is that it runs off battery, so you have to change the batteries, and if you don't change it frequently enough, it starts to kind of lose power a bit. Um, unlike Big Keith, it, it loses its mojo. We'll, we'll say, <laughs> and when it loses its mojo, you know it's it's real kind of like it's like man, it wants to unlock, but it's not quite unlocking. So I make sure I rotate my batteries out, you know, every six months or so. And the other thing is the gas strut. Every once in a while, like it just it again, it wants to open. It's open, but you kind of have to help it up a little bit. Um, I recently just hit it with a little bit of lube. That's for you, Keith. Oh man. <laughs> And, uh, this show is going way off the rails. Yeah, the, the the title of this show should be all about lube. But anyway, um, I, I did hit it with a little WD forty, and it seemed to kind of make that strut work uh, to its full potential again. So those are the, the the sort of cons to it. But overall, I would highly recommend it. I do think it's relatively um, reasonably priced, one hundred seven dollars, and I do think that it will let you get to your farm reasonably quickly. Um, so I do like it. I would recommend it. Uh, just be aware of the battery life and that the strut needs to be uh, kept Lubed. lubricated. Yes, exactly. I am in need of a new one, so I'll look into it because mine does. I can't have a weapon light on my you know, my nightstand gun because that one is too small. Okay, I, I would recommend for the price. I would. I don't really care about the biometrics so much. I've never had luck with them, but I would definitely go with the larger size and the one with the light inside, just because when you open it up, it's nice to see what what you're reaching in for. So. Yeah, battery power? It's battery powered. Yeah, it's got a little battery power pack inside of it. So it's it's a good product. I'm gonna post one on Instagram. So uh follow follow us on Instagram and, and I'll probably post a picture of it at some point. So. Well, I think it's time for the boys to sit around and shoot the shit. All right, so tonight on Shooting the Shit, we are gonna talk about RV camping. And this is something Keith and I were talking about 
drinking a cup of coffee a couple days ago, and then we're having Eduardo on the show, and Keith, lo and behold, Eduardo's an RV camping guy. He has a, a fifth wheel all over his Facebook, and uh, I did stalk your Facebook a little bit, and uh, I figured we could talk about this, and and he kind of kind of enlightened us a little bit. How do you feel about that, Keith? I think it's great. I, I mean, I, I used to do a lot of camping when I was a kid. You know, my... my uh, my father had a, a 24-foot coachman that he towed behind this E350 that you could fit like seven, like one of those big 15, 16-passenger vans. And uh, we just drove everywhere in that thing. And uh, he would just put all the kids in their own seats so we didn't give each other a hard time and uh, <laughs> go out and just go camping in uh, Pennsylvania, Hershey Park area, and uh, all the way down to Florida. And uh, Assateague, if you've ever been there, out by... Uh, Ocean mm-hmm. City. And I just enjoyed it. Loved it doing it as a kid and something that I, I want to do at some point in life. But I I just have, I never had the responsibility of it. And the older I get, the more I realize that every good hobby has some responsibilities. Yeah. Eduardo, I want to kind of add to that. I really want one because uh, I have a lot of extra time. And I could spend a good amount of time going places two weeks at a time, two weeks at a time and spending you know, just seeing the country that we live in, but I am a little bit afraid I would spend a lot of money on it and I wouldn't use it. So I am curious as to, do you use it a lot and how do you make sure that you, you know, it seems like it could be a lot of work, you know, maintaining it and, and making sure that it gets used. So just how do you feel about that? Yeah. I mean, it depends on what you get, right? I mean, some of these things can be somewhat you know, and it's the the old debate of do you get a motorized camper or do you get a tow behind or do you get a fifth wheel? Do you get a travel trailer? Um, you know, I've been at this now for going on nine years. Uh, we bought our first in 2011 and it was a travel trailer. It was a tow behind. And it was very easy, very easy to maneuver, very easy to back into. And of course, we upgraded to, you know, it's clearly a 14,500 pound fifth wheel monster of a, of a camper and it's a much more response it's a much le- higher level of responsibility um we use ours and uh you know compared to my sister-in-law that lives i mean my sister next door and my brother-in-law they have a uh a class a you know a, a motorized uh camper and we end up using ours more than theirs which is ironic because you think that theirs is just jump in and go um but we make it a point um for a number of years i was a member of a club that you pay a flat fee and you get to go as much as you like, you know, it's, it's it, the way they work. It is two weeks on one week off. So it's a flat rate. You can go camping. And there's a number of different campgrounds that are in the club. Uh, so if you don't, you know, if you don't get your money's worth out of that, it's your fault, right? That's the way it works. If they, if for some reason you don't go enough to justify the upfront cost that you paid to be able to go and camp in these places as much as you'd like, then it's your fault because you didn't make the time. So it's up to you. And if you're somebody that has that kind of time, I absolutely recommend it. Now, Ed, those clubs are, you can go to any of those campsites or just? There's certain clubs that are members of that, that RV club. And you can and, go to uh, different, different campgrounds, right? Like you don't have to go correct. to the same campground two weeks on, one week off. You can go to a, anybody, any of those campgrounds in that group. In that membership, correct. And, That's and cool. I never knew that hand- existed. There's so many more on the West Coast than there are on the East Coast. Like I'll give you an example. Like our club. The the low the closest ones there's one in Catskills there's one in Massachusetts there's one in Lake George there was one in Saratoga Springs and one in Gettysburg Pennsylvania. All right, so well, that's a summer, right? You know, two weeks on, two weeks off. Exactly right. So 
Um, we love the one in Gettysburg. It's Gettysburg Battlefield Resort. Yeah, I, I love Gettysburg. I'm a big yeah, history buff. Yeah, same here. I love going there. Um, this year, we're, we're, we haven't used it yet because most of the campgrounds have been closed at this point. And right now, my camper's in storage still. But aside from that, yes, we absolutely do use it. I love camping then. You know, sometimes it's kind of a pain in the neck when you're you're backing it in, you're connecting to the hitch, you're, you know, so many different steps you got to go through. But you know what? All that goes away when I'm sitting in my camper and I've cracked open my first beer and I'm sitting <laughs> back back. All of it just washes away and I'm like, ah, this is great. I so Eduardo, I, I have this thing. I, I think maybe a lot of people have shared this sentiment, but I, I am someone who likes different types of living. What I mean by that is I could see me, if I had all the money in the world, I could see me owning an oceanfront property, a mountain property. Uh, you know, I, I just, I like different types of scenery. So I thought that the camping would be good for that because I'm sure there's campsites that are like right on the beach. I mean, yeah. that must exist. Uh, so I figured, man, yeah, yeah, I figured, man, I could like just take this, go for two weeks with the family and have beachfront property. And then I can go up and look, you know, open my door and have mountain views and is that kind of the way it is, or do you find that you kind of go to the same places over and over? Because I'm afraid I would get stuck into the ah, this one's close. We'll just go there. Yeah, you did, how do you? In our case, we did because we were members of the club, right? And if, yep. if we didn't take advantage of that, we were going to pay more. But no, we don't do it all the time. I'll give you an example. And you just said about beachfront. I, I mean, I don't know if you've seen my camper, but the way it works is it's it's a toy hauler, which means the back ramp comes down and you can put things inside your garage. I I bring my my Harley with me. I bring my golf cart. Um, but when you're not using it as a garage, that back ramp becomes a deck and it's got a wrap around, you know, fe- uh, you know, little fence around it. Now, that's great. What I, yeah. So there's yeah. this great campground in Roscoe, New York. Um, it's the only campground in Roscoe, New York that has the creek running right through it. That's a, that's absolutely world famous for fly fishing. And I I've say been, world. I've been there. It's, I'm forgetting, Willamimic, Willam, I'm forgetting the name. But anyway, absolutely famous for fly fishing. So I see, I, I go there opening day, the day that, you know, all you know, they they fish they just <laughs> the stock uh, trout. I back my deck over the creek, and now I'm I'm sitting there fishing from my back That's deck, cool. not even having to stand in the water. People my hate back, you. Oh, they, they were accusing me of cheating and everything. It was great. Uh, Ironically, I, it's I pretty close. <laughs> and I still didn't catch a fish. So good, <laughs> but uh, it was my first try at fly fishing. I should have just stuck to regular fishing. <laughs> uh, um, yeah the other guys were all standing there like are you still standing here you know you know uh waist deep in water freezing themselves <laughs> how do you store it Ed? do you do you have a place to you you store it at your house or you you rent a space to store it all right so for the first uh for this one uh i did keep it in my driveway i have a 500 foot driveway so you know i did have yeah. a space um but i was starting to have a chipmunk problem so i moved it to a storage facility that is famous for having a lot of sparrow cats around. So we didn't have chipmunk problems. So I moved it there. It's $85 a month and I get my driveway back. Uh, so yeah, that's where I keep it. And uh, it's right there in Newburgh. And uh, I like it there. And it's, it's, it's working out well. The other thing I was going to try this year was my first try at seasonal. And for those that you don't know, it's typically what they mean by that is the beginning of May 1st, all the way through October 31st, you play a fat, a pay a flat fee and you get to keep your camper there all the time. And it, removes that requirement to have to remove your site, bring it back, bring, you know, tra- towing it back and forth all that, and just leave it there and enjoy it when you want. A lot of people do that. Um, this place, particular one, is the Catskill uh, RV Resort. Uh, a little on the expensive side. I've seen a lot cheaper ones. This one's 3800 per season, which comes out to about $600 a month. 
you know, to contrast that, if you wanted to stay in that RV resort for one week, it's $350. So right. you know, the month for $600 doesn't sound that unreasonable. Uh, so I was going to do that, but unfortunately, because of COVID, that got uh, canceled. So I will be doing it again at some point uh, and trying it again. The other thing I was going to try is basically just buying a piece of property and keeping it out there. Um, a, would give me something to invest in, in a piece of property, and then not have to drag it back and forth, but still have that flexibility that if I do want to go somewhere else, I can. So I've been pouring with that idea. It hasn't happened yet. And if it's anywhere, it's going to be in Pennsylvania, probably the Milford area. Yeah. I, you know, I, like I said, this is something that it goes, I go back and forth with it and I have young kids and I think as they get older, it's something that I will definitely need to investigate and maybe look into. But, you know, I, I really do appreciate, I mean, like you've definitely given me some things to think about and, you know, Keith, I know you were interested in it as well. And, you know, Eduardo, th- you know, thank you so much for kind of enlightening us. That's again, the gun experiment. This is what we're about. We're about learning new things and it's not always gun related. We don't, we want to keep it lively and, and, you know, entertaining and, and learn new stuff. So I appreciate you um, kind of enlightening us a bit. Um, and overall, you know, Eduardo, I want to thank you for being on the show. I mean, it's it's been a great conversation. I think what you're doing with your uh, with your groups is is amazing. Um, and just keep up, keep it up, man. I, I think having those outlets for people that are pro gun to go into and talk about are are really good things. Um, I mean, how do you feel about that, Keith? Yeah, I agree, Ed. I, I appreciate you coming on, and uh, thank you for your service too. I know we didn't really touch on that today, but I, I know you uh, you uh, served in the, in the armed forces, so appreciate that. And um, thank you as well. Thanks so much for having me. It was really a lot of fun, a lot more fun than I thought it was going to be. So I uh, pre- appreciate that. Well, Eduardo, give us one more uh, bit of info for your contacts. Where where can people find you again? All right. So uh, again, just type in gun enthusiast in uh, and look for a page called Gun Enthusiast on uh, Facebook. Uh, that should come up and it should be us. Uh, and again, you can reach out to me. You can message me there. And then, you you know, we post content there. Uh, we have arguments there. We, you know, it's all wonderful stuff. So yeah, try that. That's probably the easiest one. Um, or, you know, contact you <laughs> and vouch for people and let, you know, and let them in. Uh, so that's another way of, of getting into the group. And again, we have a very friendly uh, you know, like I said, it's the easiest group in the world to moderate because they're just, they're all just, we're all just friends of friends and we're all there for a common goal. Yeah. So. It's a, it's a, it's a really good group and it's a good group of guys. I, I definitely would agree with that. So, all right. So if you like this episode, we'd appreciate a five-star review on iTunes. Uh, it definitely helps us get ranked and helps uh, other people find us. We'll make sure that we read any comments you leave on future episodes. Also, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Gun Experiment so we can keep the conversation going. Guys, thank you so much. Keith, as always, thank you for uh, doing a great job hosting this thing with me. And Eduardo, thank you for being on the show. Sounds great, guys. Thank you very much. Bring in the mojo.